You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, episode number 494, on the Stitcher Radio Network. Only six more, till the big 500. Stick around! Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. Today, we are back again. The Rat Pack is back. Or should I say the Trooper Pack or the... I don't even really know what to say. All all I know is that we've done several uh, ships in Star Trek and now in the Star Wars galaxy, and we are still going strong. With me today... I'm Rick Moyer, by the way. With me today is none other than Brian. Hi, Brian. I have you now. Very nice. And Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello. Hello. And nothing Star Warsy to say. Oh, okay. you blew it. That's all right. <laughs> and none other than Jedi Jeff. Jeff. Use the Force. There you yes. go. There we Excellent. go. There's some Star Wars stuff. So today, uh, you know, I kind of just tag along on these things because uh, I'm just a I'm just a guy that sits and watches Star Wars and goes, "Wow, that's cool." I really don't have any clue of what's going on with what kind of ship is what. I just like them. So I just kind of sit here and listen to you guys who are the experts talk about them. You guys build models and and know all the details and all this jazz. So I'm just along for the ride. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Jeff, to start us out. We're going to be talking today. By the way, thank you, Rico, for letting us do this. But we're going to be talking today about some more ships in the Star Wars universe. In particular, Jeff. The Imperial Navy or the Empire or however you want to uh, view the uh, view the bad guys, I guess. The, so. the bad guys. The bad dun, dun, guys dun. ships. Dun, dun, right. dun, dun. I know. I dun. want to put music in when we do that. Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, um, we're going to be talking about the uh, most notable uh, ships from the uh, the Empire. Uh, like I say, we'll be uh, we'll go through some Tie Fighters, and then we'll go through some Star Destroyers, and then uh, a couple other ships, I guess, uh, as well. Uh, they, the Empire has a quite a um, nice fleet of uh, of ships, uh, a bit more maybe uniform than the uh, the Rebel Alliance, such uh, it's a hodgepodge. So, yeah, yeah a hodgepodge. Not, not quite as much variety as in the Rebel fleet. Yeah. Well, yes. Speaking speaking of that. What do you guys think about with with Star Wars Seven coming out, uh, and the whole thing with Harrison Ford breaking his leg and all that? He took it literally when somebody said, "Go break a leg." Um, okay. What did you guys think about seeing pictures of the Millennium Falcon? Millennium, I can't even say it. Millennium Falcon. What's an aluminum falcon? That's right. Was that cool or what? Was that cool or what? You know, I I actually was a little skeptical that. That they would actually go ahead and create a, a full-size mock-up, and I'm I'm not convinced yet that that actually is going to be a full mock-up. I think it might be some parts of it, but maybe not the entire. 
entire ship because it's right. just the, they don't need to build the whole thing necessarily. But it looks like they're, they've they're, because in the in the original films, like we talked about when we did our our ships of, of the Rebel Alliance, um, the Falcon was built half of it was built for a New Hope, and then a little bit more of it was built. Oops, Nico Shenton. A little bit more was built for Empire. So right, right. you know, it's like I thought it was interesting that they might actually build the whole thing. Yeah, that would be would be cool at least to see pictures of it. Maybe if they did, they made it strong enough they can put it in a museum and we can all see it one day. That'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was it was it was interesting. I mean, the more we see from 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 episode seven, the more it looks like I don't know if it's JJ that's making this call or not, but they they seem to be going a lot more kind of practical, like they're building sets and they're building costumes and they're, you know, it's not just that there doesn't seem. I mean, we won't know if there's going to be a lot of CGI or not. I'm sure there will be CGI, but sure. the, yeah, they're definitely using less than I thought they would be. Sure. Maybe yeah, they get a certain I, look to it or something. Yeah, I think that, I think, like you said there, Rick, I think it's to kind of maybe get a, maybe a bit more of a eh, original series, uh, original trilogy type kind of uh, look to it, more so than, the, you know, the prequels, which had a very... Um, electronic feel yeah generated type kind of look these these will look a bit more real world i guess well when you think about the 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 experience of watching the movies in chronological order one through nine that from a visual standpoint it's important that episode seven more closely resemble episode six than episode three because you're watching it and you'll have watched four five and six and leading into that you'll watch seven and stylistically, they need to they need to match, you know. And and you know, it, it, it's worth noting that the Phantom Menace had a tremendous amount of practical effects in it. That film, I know the film, everyone gets uh, gets upset about that film because of the things in it they didn't like from a a story standpoint. However, from an effects standpoint, it's a spectacular film, and it, it those are models. Those are almost the, the almost all of those space shots, those the Droid Federation ships and. The Naboo ships, all of that, those are practical models. So, yeah. um, you know, at least there, you know, it's really only two films that maybe were a little bit more reliant on the on the CGI. But I mean, I think J.J. Abrams realizes that the look, the look of practical effects combined with the judicious use or less judicious use of CGI, just to complement it, I think, will create a much more interesting visual experience and one more uniform to the uh, to the original trilogy. Very exactly. Cool. Very cool. Well, I just had to throw that out there because, you know, all that stuff's on Twitter right now about the the movie being delayed six months and all this. But I don't believe any of that kind of stuff until until we hear the the official thing. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, in regards to that, I think even though I think this film is going to very much feature Harrison Ford in a primary role, I think that they've got Pinewood Studios for years they've booked that space forever they can get back they don't have to break sets in order and and they can wait and still make their release dates i'm not really that concerned even if harrison does require six months of convalescence it is also worth noting that there was a rumor that i read recently that there is a full-scale tie fighter in pinewood right now as as we as we as we segue into the into the ships of the empire and the tie fighter that's what i heard that 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 someone said that there was a already a full-scale mock-up of a tie fighter in a hangar deck so i don't that's not a spoiler is it i don't don't think think so so. (laughs) i I mean and because i know we saw i don't know if it was full scale but we saw that fairly large x-wing in that yes. same shot as the Millennium or Falcon, a, 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 a X-wing-looking type of ship. Anyway, right. yeah, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, and it, it makes it really. If you're a big Star Wars fan, it kind of makes sense that uh, you know, even though the Empire was um, defeated, that their their equipment and all that is is going to be uh, 
be around for generations to come af- after the fact. So I don't think it's any surprise that uh, we'd be s- still be seeing, you know, yeah, imperial agreed. ships. It's 30 years. I mean, 30 years is a long time, but there's no reason why that the they wouldn't still be around. And with maybe maybe we'll see some modifications. In fact, Jeff, why don't you tell us about the tie the tie series? And, yeah. Because there's certainly there's certainly in both the film and the expanded universe, especially a lot of variants of this particular show. We jump yeah, right so in. We'll like jump that. right in. Sploosh. Sploosh. So yeah, we'll start off uh, our we'll start off our discussion today about the uh, the tie fighters and. Um, Basically, a uh, TIE fighter is a um, is an acronym for uh, twin ion engines. <gasps> Are you kidding? No, I'm not. I it's... never knew that. This whole time, I'm oh, I'm Did you such think it was a, a bow tie. Dweeb. Yeah, because it looks like a bow tie. <laughs> no, I had I don't have any clue why they would have called it a TIE fighter. That's so I feel stupid. Yeah, it's, it's an acronym. It's T period I period E period. <sighs> yeah, so it's an acronym for. Uh, for uh, twin ion engines, um, it's uh, developed by. Uh, if we're going to stay in kind of in universe here, it's uh, it's uh, designed by. Uh, I'll probably pronounce this incorrectly, but uh, Cenar Fleet System. Um, basically, uh, like I say, uh, I think most people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with the what a Tie Fighter looks like. It's basically two um, two kind of large kind of flat look, wings which they look are like solar uh, panels right yeah solar panels horizontal and, and in fact they in fact they are solar panels yes <laughs> solar Thus panels which power engine. the engine yeah yeah and then they got a ball and uh a little interesting note is in um before we get into the real specifics here um i guess in the first star wars movie a new hope uh the ship was a little bit more gray uh, so they could do it against the blue screen, and then originally it was supposed to be more that bluish color, and then in the later two movies, uh, they they switched back to more of the the bluish color that uh, I guess they originally wanted. And now, do we know? Do we know if that's because they switched to green screen, or they stay in blue screen, and just the technology got better? Or? They didn't really say. They just said uh, they said um, Tie Fighter models of the Star Wars movies were gray. Uh, to better film against blue screen, uh, Tie Fighters in the next two movies shifted back to being muted blue. So they didn't really indicate if it. It was probably like you said, Joe. It's probably um, you By know, contrast, they, yeah. yeah, contrast or or just they had better technology to to film it the way they they really wanted to film it. I guess. Well, I I just remember in the fourth movie, which was the first movie for me. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. Um, when I saw Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. Oh my gosh! It just about peed my pants. I it was so cool, and and I don't know. I just thought it was really neat. What a I, I remember the very first time we saw Tie Fighters. I think was when Luke was in the in the gunner part of the Falcon, and and he was using the uh, that cool little that oh the uh, uh, the little laser too. turret thing in in the Falcon. It was, it was when the, um, amazing. they come out of hypers when they come out of hyperspace yeah. where Alderaan was. Yeah, that's when they first encounter the a Tie Fighter flies by and they follow it to the Death Star. And it was yeah, and a, they go oh because uh, it's a, it's kind of a short range ship. Right, so right. Like, Why is it so far out here in deep space? And you know they're usually because they're usually uh you know they usually house them in big star destroyers or, right. or space stations right. or something like that. They're not usually long. And we long found range. and we found out that's no moon. That's a Space that's station. a space station. That's right. <laughs> yeah, tie fighters as well too. You know, they're very um, 
minimal on um, life support and shields and all that kind of stuff. So they are really just built for um, for kind of a combat uh, uh, battle, uh, you know, kind of dogfighting um, battle because they, they don't really carry the uh, life support um, uh, things that uh, the you know, the Rebel Alliance might uh, stuff into their ships. Um. Right, they don't have they don't have life support externally. They don't have shields. They don't have hyperdrives. They're very very basic, very cheap. Kind of like ships a, that are like kamikaze. Go get it done. Exactly. Yeah, like they're kind of. Yeah, yeah, they're based on. I guess when when George Lucas was first, I guess you know. Kind of, spitballing star wars coming up with ideas i guess he kind of based this on more like you know the cold war and kind of the soviet way of doing things where you build a lot of planes that are or a lot of you know military hardware that that isn't particularly complicated (laughs) isn't particularly comfortable isn't particularly high quality but you make so many of them that they just overwhelm any enemies and that's kind (laughs) of the point like an x-wing and a tie fighter one-on-one the x-wing will probably win if the pilots are evenly matched but uh you know, it's usually one X-wing versus twelve Tie fighters. Yes, right, exactly. But and and, and they all also are horrible shots. Usually, <laughs> I know their guidance system isn't working too right. But I always wondered what the little knob they were turning was in the. You ever, oh, the was little that knob. Like a, is that a targeting scanner that they're doing? Because they had them in the, uh, in the Rebels too. They they were they had these little things that they twist them around. They did. That's right. I always used must to have, do that. Must have been focus. <laughs> I believe that's probably to uh, probably more probably for targeting. I'm, I I'm guess guessing. So. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it was just something for the actors to do. <laughs> yeah, it had to have been because it was probably pretty boring otherwise. But didn't you yeah. love the scene though when when Darth Vader is spinning off into the into the uh, abyss? Yeah, yeah. With that Tie Fighter going in circles, that was his personal. What was it? What was his personal ship called? There was a name, wasn't there? He had the uh, TIE Advanced X1. X1. That's pretty cool. cool I guess we should start off with just talking about the Plain Jane. um, Sure. Sorry. Plain Jane uh, TIE Fighter. The TIE slash LN. The TIE slash LN, which is is basically our bread and butter type kind of uh, TIE Fighter that uh, we all know and love. Uh, Little ball, big hexagonal wings. Yes. And it is uh, based off the uh, text. Technical specifications here, it's 6.4 meters uh, in size. Um, it's got a megalite speed of 100 megalites. Uh, atmosphere speed is 1,200 kilometers. Uh, we've got uh, twin ion engines, as we were discussing. It's not very uh, big, is it? No, no, it's... it's probably just, just big enough for hold, one guy to sit in. Yeah, hold it's, a stormtrooper. Yeah. The solar panels are tall, so it, it would look tall if you were, you know, if, if if you look at a model of a Tie Fighter that's in scale with an X-wing model, it's actually it looks big because of the because of the solar panels. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, what else? It's a shielding. It doesn't got any shielding. Uh, titanium alloy hull. So, guys, basically, it's just kind of hoping that uh, you know that it can withstand a bit of. Um, a bit of uh, fire on it uh, based on the hull, but uh, yeah, like say we discussed, basically, uh, you know, like uh, you know, you better get your shots off in your tie fight, tie fighter, or, or you're not coming back. So, <laughs> right, because I actually remember from the the X-wing game that we all know and love, uh, you know, destroying a tie fighter if you were flying an X-wing or something. It basically, I think, it took something to the effect of 2.5 laser shots. Yeah. So basically, if you you 
you had all, you know all four of your X-wings guns lasers shooting, and you caught a Tie Fighter with all of them. It was done. That's exactly. True. That's true. I yeah, like, like I like shooting them. That was fun in Rebel Assault. <laughs> ah yes. Yeah. yeah, which Joe just did a uh, I know. podcast on. So. It's too bad I didn't get to send in a comic because I love that one. Well, you can always send in one later. Okay. All right. Feel free. Okay. <laughs> I guess a few other things. Uh, crew is uh, one pilot, uh, one astromech droid, apparently. Um, and then, well, no, actually, I'm wrong about that. Not that's for the uh, modified Rebel Alliance one. It's just a pilot and no passengers. And uh, let me say, and what else do we want to say here about this? Armament is we've got two laser cannons. And that was it. And I guess apparently they could mount a small amount of missiles on it if they needed to, but but the standard loadout was just yeah the two I guess you call them chin mounted laser cannons. They're right under the the round the traditional round uh, cockpit. Yeah. So uh, any um, I guess what are you guys' thoughts on uh, on the, our plain Jane uh, run of the mill Tie Fighter? Well, I mean, I think we have to give a little, give some props to uh, Joe Johnson and his team for developing it and creating it and, and mm-hmm. making the model. I mean, if you re- if you look at books like the making of Star Wars, you can see some of the early prototypes, and they kind of always had this look. I think Lucas had in his notes sort of drew this kind of a this design, and uh, Joe Johnson ran with it and helped you know make the model because this I don't Tie Fighters were not a Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, creation. They were definitely a George Lucas, Joe Johnson creation, and interesting. I mean, I, I mean, visually, they're you know, it's a different kind of look, and it's uh, you know, I, I'm sure that they intended for the solar panels to you know to play a big part in how they were powered, and so it's um, it's it's an, it's a very cool design. I remember as a kid, you know, when the, when the movie first came out, and I was you know nine years old, get, trying to buy the toys. I was I liked the Tie Fighter. I thought it was really really neat. It was very distinctive, and um, you know, kind of visually just a neat looking ship. <laughs> Plus, yeah. plus, it has a, it's such a contrast to the other ships. It was it yeah. was definitely you knew bad guys and good guys just like that. Yeah, it was very very easy to tell them apart. I mean, yeah, the, it wasn't you know, like the... yeah, it wasn't like watching Buck Rogers in the 25th century where you're like, now the hatchet fight. Okay, are, are those the bad guys or who? Yeah, what's going on there? But you know, it's kind of cool. Okay, I guess we'll move on to the next uh, Tie Fighter, the one that. Uh, Rick has been talking a bit about uh, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, which is the TIE Advanced X-1. And uh, this one is a bit different in that uh, it's it's more of a prototype kind of starfighter. That's why we didn't really see much of it uh, anymore in the movies um, after uh, A New Hope. In um, it's, got, it's a slightly better than um, slightly better than the uh, the standard uh, TIE Fighter. This one is slightly faster it's 105 megalites speed but atmosphere speed still seems to be the same 1200 uh 9.2 meters so it is uh it's yeah a little bigger yeah it's a bit bigger yeah yeah uh what else do we got it is different in that uh like say the, the the tie fighter has the um kind of the horizontal wings this one's got um Slanted, kind of curved, yeah. slanted, curved wings. Wings, and I too. think, and I think ostensibly they they say, oh, that 
that makes it more efficient at, at capturing light because it gets it from more angles or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think they just wanted it to look different. No, yeah. that's right. That's exactly that was exactly it. They needed they 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 initially had Vader flying just a, a regular tie, and they were like, "Oh, it's hard. You can't tell. Who's you don't know who. who's who." Yeah. So they said, "Well, let's come up with a different design," and so they created this. Yeah. So yeah, like say that. I think like say Brian said that was probably the uh, the reason behind it. Probably not not so much. Like we want to dig into the technical stuff. Right. Well, you know, this is why they would do it. But yeah, that was that yeah. was actually in making of Star Wars. They said that's why they did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. And sense. then um, I guess what do we got uh, here as well too? Um, it is uh, we got two laser cannons. It's got some missile. It can launch some missile missiles. It actually carries. 20 clusters of missiles so it, it's cool a, yeah hell it, yeah it can launch missiles my my toy had missiles <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's uh it was kind of um in universe it was um they kind of took this tie advanced and then they based the uh the tie bomber and the tie interceptor um some of the um things off of off of this ship they they incorporated into those two ships um I guess you know that's really, that's really neat though that they they took a design from a New Hope and then said, hey, if Vader's tie is supposed to be a more advanced model, and now we're a couple years after a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, wouldn't it be great to se show them actually applying that technology to something new, taking the standard Tie Fighter ball ship with no with no uh, light speed capability and slapping on these special wings that maybe make it more efficient, make it faster, make it more maneuverable. Yeah, exactly. And like say, like saying, you can totally see that in both the Tie Bomber and the uh, the Tie Interceptor that they get a lot of uh, inspiration or from from this uh, Tie Advanced ship. Yeah, and I think this one also had shields and a hyperdrive. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of like their answer to the you know to the X Wing kind of a thing. Like it's everything that the X Wing had, they gave to. To this tie advanced to Vader, but they didn't give it to the troops because when when the tie interceptor comes around, it doesn't have hyperdrive. <laughs> no, it's got nothing. It's like sorry guys. Yeah, you're asking. But uh, yeah, and I, I guess originally this was just called Darth Vader's Tie Fighter, right? The model I, I remember the AM the, the AMT model and was the was the first model kit that came out for it, and it was called X1 Advanced, but I think that came out after the toy. The Hasbro toy, which just said Darth Vader's Tie Fighter on the box, and all <laughs> and all that was was a, a a ball. It was a ball Tie Fighter toy with the with these wings. It was the same. So it was the same essentially as the white one that came out. That that was a Tie Fighter toy. That oh no, Hasbro it was it was Kenner that Kenner came out with. Okay. So it, it always made me mad because I, I got it and I was like, hey, hey. Darth Vader's Tie Fighter doesn't look anything like this. And I was like, I'm getting ripped <laughs> off. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so it didn't have that kind of that long, long back behind no, the uh, cockpit the, and all that. All the Kenner Tie Fighter toys back at that time had a had a, like a tab that came off the back of the ball for you to hold it and a button that yeah. you push to make the, the missile, the lasers fire. Okay. So, which also annoyed me because I didn't like I didn't like having that thing on the back because I remember I knew it was a ball and so I had all sorts of problems as a kid with the toys. There, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, just well, I, yeah, like I say, I I would see you know, considering when you look at the, like the model from MPC, it's uh, you know it's much more true to the uh, yeah the MPC model was yeah. actually one of the most still to this day is one of the best kits they've ever made. I mean, it was spot on to the uh the the filming miniature 
Yeah, I just wish I didn't do such a poor job on <laughs> on mine. I look at it from time to time. I go, oh, it just looks terrible, eh? And they re- they re-released it. Ravel re-released that. I have one. Yeah, I gotta get one myself. Actually, I, mean, I gotta build a lot of other things too. But yeah, <laughs> I could buy it and throw it on the on the pile with everything else. So I'll get to it one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like say, I liked. Uh, to be honest, I like this. Uh, I like this ship a lot. I I like that it it. Um, it looked uh, it looked similar to the Tie Fighter, but then it looked it looked like just a real brute of a of a fighter. Like it would you know give you a punch and you'd knock you down more so than the the Tie Fighter, which uh, didn't look like it hit as hard. This one just it looked like a monster of of a ship. It kind of I felt it really suited Darth Vader to be honest with you. It's just like yeah, because I'm I'm looking at the picture on on Wikipedia now, and and like the arms that hold the wings on, yeah, are like they're much thicker. And yeah, Beep, it, it they're does, beefy. It looks like it has big shoulders, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, like football uh, pads yeah. on, yeah. It's done some weightlifting. <laughs> yeah. It's the Arnold TIE Fighter. <laughs> it's a big, muscly-type ship, so <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, like say, I, I, I like, too, like, when I like you work on the model or you look at the model, it's got a little greeblies and all that stuff all over it, so it's an interesting uh, model to look at as well, too. It's got a lot of... Uh, a uh, little bit of a lot of interesting design elements on it too so it, it's just an interesting ship in my opinion to kind of look at yeah co- you know code 3 collectibles made a really nice uh, desktop diecast of this as well a couple years back as i as i recall yeah it's that's a nice one i i it's actually i have that in my uh, ebay ebay kind of watch list so i kind of keep they're expen- they're going they go for pretty good money yeah so i keep an eye on it if i ever see something which which looks like it's uh, in a price range, I would be okay with. Uh, I haven't yet, but yeah, <laughs> but you, mean, but, yeah you never, know, you never know. Eh? So, so I, I have it, and I, I check like yeah, I get an email every day about it. <laughs> You're like, oh, not today, but not maybe. today. <laughs> I guess uh, any more uh, discussion here on the uh, on the tie advanced? No, let's go to the interceptor. No. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on to the tie interceptor, and I will make a. Um, I will be very honest here, uh, right off the bat, that um, I am completely in love with this ship. This ship has <laughs> stolen want, my heart. Do you want heart. some alone time with the interceptor? <laughs> yeah, arrange that. <laughs> this, is definitely, this is definitely my second favorite one. Yeah, like I, this is my favorite ship, and uh, probably the reason why it's my favorite ship is because it is, I have such fond memories of um, the X-wing games and the Tie Fighter games, and mm-hmm. I just love this ship. I loved. Uh, when I played X-Wing, I loved playing against that ship because it really pushed your skills up trying to catch it. And uh, once TIE Fighter came around, I just loved flying the ship. So it is a um, it's my favorite ship, I'll be honest, and that's because of that game. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. It's fast. It's got four lasers instead of two. and It's got yeah, six, it could... actually, even. It's got the... Oh, does it? I remember it actually. Well, I, I remember it having just the four. It doesn't have the ones on the. It's on got the, the chain ones too. Eh? No, it, oh, does it? It, it And Jeff, this, this I'm I'm glad we're doing this because I this is something I actually don't know is, is it four on the wingtips and then the two underneath the the window aren't functional because on the models that they sell and on the props in the film. They had the lasers underneath the ball, but and when the when it fires, I'm not entirely clear where they're where they're originating from. If they're originating from those little wingtip mounted, yeah, I read a guns. little bit about it, and let me see what I can find here. Um, it says I'm looking at what you sent from this yeah. wiki, and it does say that there are four, 
Not six, but does say four, which would lead me to it think It does that say, it says, the original Dyne was four laser cannons. Then right. later, later refit was two laser cannons and four blaster cannons. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, go. and they okay. said it was kind of, kind of, kind of around with the model as well too. They, you know, they kind of built the model and then uh, just kind of the way they built the model and how, well, how they, let's out. face it. They built yeah. what they did is they took the existing tie balls and they just recasted them and then slapped yeah. different wings on. Not real thinking. Oh well, people are going to be upset if we have laser cannons under here and off also on the wingtips. <laughs> they didn't anticipate our podcast, which is very very short sighted of them. Yes. Yeah, they should have. Uh, they should have really thought about. Mm. Yeah, because what does it say here? Numerous sources depict that the tie interceptor as having only four wingtip cannons. But their very first appearance in Return of the Jedi shows them firing their chin-mounted fifth and sixth cannons in addition to their wingtip cannons throughout the Battle of Endor. It has since been established that each TIE interceptor comes equipped with cannon mountains on the chin, the preceding TIE fighter allowing for additional two more cannons. Mm. Cool, but I guess the thing is, even in-universe, if you think about it, it, it might even make sort of sense because... They're just the you know the empire's churning out these Tie Fighter cockpits, right? Yeah. And so why bother redesigning them when you can just you know maybe in the one that only has four cannons, all you you, you close up the holes, but they're yeah. still there. And then you know later on they say, oh well you know there's there's these holes here and we got some extra power, so let's let's throw two more cannons on there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah, maybe yeah, like at first they just churned them out, and then later on you know you went back and you re-engineered what you had there and and refitted them to have the uh, you know, make the, those two uh, those two chin cannons um, operational. I guess mm -hmm. so. And again, I feel like like we we said about the Tie Advanced, like that you saw other designs come out of it. I feel exactly that. This does seem like, you know, it originated in kind of a cross between the original Tie Fighter and the Tie Advanced. And I like the I really love that cut that they have out of the uh, out of the solar panels. I do too. That's, yeah, it just catches your eye so much. It and does. I guess the uh, the in-universe uh, explanation for that was, you know, traditionally, and this would make sense, uh, pilots' view to the left and right wouldn't would be obscured, right? So you'd only see kind of straight ahead because you had these massive solar panels blocking your view, and uh, so these cuts kind of helped that apparently. Okay, I guess we'll go through some uh, technical details here. Um, this ship is slightly faster than. Uh, than the uh, the Tie Fighter and, uh, and slightly faster than the Tie Advanced. It's uh, this one. Um, it says it's 111 uh, megalites in speed, but uh, I don't know. This is just this quibbling over things. But I, when I was reading in the um, this the Steel Chronicles, the Steel Chronicles, Stelle Steel, yeah, yeah, the Stelle Chronicles. They said it was 110 megalite speed. So I'm not sure what. Uh, the guy measuring was off one day by one megalite. Yes. So, <laughs> so I but I go that radar gun out. Yeah. So it's so it's it's not it's it's I guess at this point at the point in the movies it's the fastest Tie Fighter, but yes. it's not quite as fast as the A wing. No. Which I think was one twenty. Yeah, I think the A wing was just slightly faster. This one is uh, nine point six meters in in length, so it's a long ship like the uh, like the Tie Advanced is. Um, its atmosphere is just a little a touch faster at 1,250 kilometers, so it's just a, a touch uh, faster. Um, again, we talked about the arm armaments on them already. Uh, again, uh, 
you're not getting really much protection here. <laughs> there isn't any, uh, there's, there's no, no shielding, but apparently it can be equipped as an upgrade. Um, again, it's, um, yeah, in the EU, didn't they have, didn't they have some of these with shields? Yeah, the EU they did, and and Tie Fighter, I think, in the game eventually they started giving you, you know, I think you could fire four missiles out of the thing, and there were shields, and they might have equipped one with a hyperdrive. I think that's where, that's where a lot of this came from originally was they had to fit in because I guess X-wing and Tie Fighter were technically sort of canon. Yeah, and I guess too to even level out the the gameplay, I guess as well too. Uh, you know, you can't be flying around in a ship that. Uh, that you can't really upgrade, I guess, or, you know, or, you know, if you I guess if you don't got any shields or anything like that, you know, that you're kind of exposed, I guess, in a sense. But I guess that that's, that's another thing, like kind of in the, in the Thai pilot community, I guess you're, you're either very, very lucky or very, very good. If you're, you're a veteran Thai pilot. Well, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> like the red shirts of star Wars. Basically, I mean, it's these things are like you're flying a you're flying a, a tin can, basically. <laughs> yeah. Welcome they said, to you know, the death Jeff, trap. One question I have is, yeah. um, we're, and, and you, may, you may have mentioned this in talking about the Tie Fighter initially just now, um, when I was having to deal with the baby, but is um, do, do Tie Fighters not have a breathable internal atmosphere, and that's why the pilots wear the store their the the, the 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 outfits that they do. Um, or do they have atmosphere inside and that that's just what they wear? I, I always, as a kid, I always assumed once I learned that TIE fighters were fast, maneuverable, but undefended sort of, you know, cannon fodder type ships that why it, then they probably wouldn't even have an atmosphere inside. They would just have the pilots sitting in suits that provided them with life support. But yeah, I guess um, they have limited life support. So I'm guessing that's probably why they wear the, uh, the helmets and all that is uh -huh. I'm not sure if they... If it's totally devoid of um, of an atmosphere or something like that, I'm guessing it probably did, if it if they did have one, it'd be very minimal, I guess. Um, Maybe just like a pressure thing, but no. My understanding yeah. is actually they've got they've got nothing, and that's why that's oh, why so all I, the pilots. So I was right about that. that that's yeah. what I was. Okay, and that's why Vader could fly it, you know, in his suit because right. well, there was his own atmosphere was in there. But yeah, you couldn't just jump into a Tie Fighter you know, with your T-shirt on and, and fly it around. Maybe in the atmosphere you could, but even right. then I don't th I think you might have trouble because just like a plane over 10,000 feet, you'd pass out. Right, right. right. Okay. Cool. Um, any other, uh, any other uh, talk about the TIE Interceptor? Bomb me, baby. Bomb you? <laughs> Ryan wants to be bombed. <coughs> well, let's go. So we're, we're moving on to the TIE Bomber, and I think notably we all remember the TIE Bombers from... Uh, Trying to bomb out the Millennium Falcon when it was uh, hiding away on the uh, on the asteroid in the field in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Floating. is that the only time we see them? Uh, apparently, they show up uh, briefly in um, Return of the Jedi as well. The Battle, the Battle of Endor. Of Endor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, reason why we don't see a lot of them is because they are slow, 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 slow ships. So <laughs> apparently, they're called the uh, I can't remember what the sitting ducks is. Uh, is <laughs> But they're known as by an enemy pilot say so um or uh what else what did they call them as well too there was someone something else someone said uh which like, is interesting the, like uh, dupes or something yeah or... dupes and then because uh... that's the other thing we didn't mention regular ties i think this comes if we want to talk eu this comes mostly from the, the x-wing series which i really really love 
the TIE fighters themselves are called eyeballs by rebel pilots, and the interceptors are called squints because, you know, their wings are squinting a little bit. Oh, that's funny. This is the the Legend series uh, definitions, yes. Joe. Thank you. That is correct. So <laughs> no longer canon. <laughs> Legend, yeah. Make sure you actually, even when I was looking at some of the information on this site, that actually some of them are broken down between uh, between uh, canon and legend. Because I went nope. to one page and it's just like, hmm, that's weird. I have two tabs, one for canon, one for legend. So oh, that's the, the Wookiee the Wikipedia admins have been busy. Yeah, they haven't gotten to the TIE Fighters yet, though, eh? So, but when we hit the Star Destroyers, they actually have them bro- broken down a bit there. Um, but yeah, well, like say there, this... there, there's already some big discontinuity there in, in the movies in the EU, so. Yes, yeah, very true. Yeah, so uh, the thing with the TIE Bombers is, um, man, some technical specs here is uh, they're, they're slow. They're only 60 megalites, so they're almost like uh, half half the... You know, they're about 40% uh, slower than just your uh, plain Jane, uh, you know, TIE fighter. And you, you don't enter these into a horse race. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're 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 very uh, they're basically a kind of, as they say, surface assault vehicles. So uh, they're meant for a very specific um, uh, task, and that is to bomb. <laughs> oh, I guess that's why they're they're called from a technical perspective a TIE slash SA for surface assault. Yeah. Whereas the TIE Interceptor was the TIE slash IN. Yes. So uh, what else do we got here? Um, they're 7.8 meters in length. So they're actually um, not as, um, well, I guess, lengthwise, they're not as uh, as long as the, uh, <coughs> the Interceptor or the uh, TIE Advance. So, But they do, um, like say, they come with, uh, you know, kind of, they got the cockpit on one uh on one side, and then they've got their armament on the uh, on the other side. And what do they have here for armament? They have a standard load of eight missiles each. Uh, can be modified to hold ten. A bomb bay. Um, what else do we got here? They've got two laser cannons. Uh, proton. I don't think anyone expects to uh, to dogfight in one of these things. No, so the cannons are kind of just there for to make them feel good about themselves. Yeah, I guess the... <laughs> they don't want to have an inf- inferiority complex in the air. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you need them, you need them, but you're probably if you have to resort to using them, they're you're, you're probably, probably in your missions failed. Yeah. Um, what else do we got to talk here about the um? It's got uh, again like the other ones. It's got a titanium alloy hull uh, shielding. They got none. Uh, hyperdrive. They've got none. You know they've got the twin ion engines. Um, I guess uh, thoughts. Now, on... interestingly, this yeah. one here. I'm I'm just looking at the page here, and it does seem to say that this one does have a life support system. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think in the I think in the now legends books that the tie bomber could also be retrofitted as a transport. Does that uh, sound familiar to you guys? Yeah. You, put, you I, could put uh, some passengers in the bomb bay. Yeah. You could put some guys, you could put some guys in on the, in the, in the other side or something. They could fit it out. I, I just remember one of the books. I thought I read that. I guess, you know, I guess as well too, you know, when they're dealing with the, you know, cause there's, they've got that whole kind of extra cockpit or something like that. So they, Probably, you know, can engineer to put some life support in there. And then I guess, too, if you're doing bombing runs, um, potentially maybe your, maybe your mission is, maybe you're flying a, a further uh, distance away, I guess, you know, maybe because they dropped the ship somewhere and then they, they have to fly in and do, you know, maybe they just can't load, you know, maybe they can't just fly up in the, the Star Destroyers and drop them and then, 
you know, takes away maybe a surprise attack or something like that. So maybe maybe these things need to maybe travel a little bit further. Um, I guess I could probably read through a bit more of this information, might explain it a bit more, but it does make sense why they would have the uh, the uh, life support there. Cool. So I, um, think, I think also this one has a slightly better sensor system than the other TIE fighters. And that I, I believe, unless I'm crazy, that's what's housed in that, that little thing that kind of hangs down underneath. Oh, yes, yes, right below the kind of the armament chamber. Yeah. Yeah. That, again, oh, this one that, too. That, is that where the that's where the bombs come out, right? That's and then where they. I, I believe the bombs come out. There's like kind of a a, a hole, in the uh, in the middle of the uh, of the 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 secondary hull. I think they may fire up from there, but I might are be you, wrong. Oh uh, no, George! It, if you look poops, at the um, bombs, yeah, it basically yeah. poops bombs. Yeah, if you guys go down <laughs> midway down the page, they've got the um, they've got the uh, the oh, diagram the, the, for the it. The diagram, yeah. And yeah. The bombing chute is just above the the targeting center. Okay, so sensor. the so it's like the the little uh, yeah the pylon that the sensor thing is on is actually where the oh so, okay right so the okay there's two so the thing on the actual secondary hull is the missile port so if you're firing something straight out ahead it'll come out of there yeah and then it comes out of the little other thing if you're dropping bombs like they were in the movie yeah it's okay like a that Pez makes sense dispenser exactly yeah. Not bad. I I just learned something. There, you learned something. <coughs> Do we have any other kind of uh, thoughts on this uh, Tie Bomber? All I remember from from the game is that you know if you were in Tie Fighter, if you were in a Tie Bomber, then hope to God you didn't really have to, like I said, do any dogfighting because yeah. it was definitely challenging. Yeah, I think was... there might there might have been one mission where they pit you against A wings, and that was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I just it just felt like it's such a slow ship. It was it's the same thing when you get stuck with one of those assault gunboats in mm -hmm. the games too. It's just like oh darn, this is just <laughs> very slow ship. So I guess that's our Tie Fighter talk there, or that's the Tie Fighters we're going to cover in this uh, this podcast, I guess today. Um, any more thoughts on Tie Fighters before we move into Star Destroyers? Oh, no, they're just a guns. cool ship. Really cool ship. Yeah, no, TIE Fighters are awesome. There's a, my, my favorite one's the, the Defender, which is which is the EU. And, you know, it's kind of like the ultimate TIE Fighter, but uh, maybe we'll get into that if we do a, a Legends show or something. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, the TIE Defender I kind of actually like, too. It had a nice look to it, I recall. So I had, like, three sol sets of solar panels kind of yeah. equidistant around. It, it was a pretty cool-looking ship. Yeah, it was. I... It was, uh, ah, it's nice to see those types of ships, that's for sure. And, uh, like, I kind of liked how they took the, you know, in the EU, they kind of took the uh, TIE Fighters and they, you know, they did a bit more and they added a bit of um, bit of interest to them. They made them a little different with the different design changes and all that kind of stuff, so which you never got to see in the movies. All right, so let's roll over to the, to the big guy. Roll on over to the... We're going to roll on over to Star Destroyers here. So, uh, Joe, maybe you want to talk a bit about Star Destroyers to, to lead us off there? Sure. So, Star Destroyers are, I guess, the... Awesome! Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Once, once we get to the main, kind of the, the, the original trilogy, these are kind of the main capital ships that the uh, the Empire uses. Uh, apparently, they're called, they're, they're referred to as medium-sized but I always remember that first kind of, you know, yeah. the first scene of, of episode four with, you know, this flying over, flying under, I guess it was the Star Destroyer. 
and you're just like, wow, this is this is a massive, massive ship. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. It just kept on going and going and going and oh. And and it and for what it's worth, that model of that star destroyer was actually just like two feet long. It was tiny, and they completely. I'll let I'll let Jeff discuss the different variants of the ship in 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 the in, in universe. But as far as the film, the star destroyer we see in in, in both the opening the opening scene with the rebel blockade runner and when Han is making his escape from Tatooine and he's followed by two, which is the same model just um, shown twice. It's, it's actually, not only is it small, not only was it, was it only a two foot model, but it actually is from a, from a standpoint of of detail was very different from the the ships that appeared in empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. Hmm. Very different. The most noticeable thing is on the conning tower. It has a standing upright, radar kind of looking thing um it goes up it goes up and and if you look at esb or return of the jedi it's actually laying flat and then they added a tremendous amount of additional detail to the empire strikes back models that were also (laughs) first and and they made them bigger they made they made them in all different sizes for for jedi for empire um but there is definitely a visual if you look at the model of the a new hope star destroyer versus the other ones very different yeah i i noticed when i was doing my uh, research a bit that like what brian said that there is some differences between them and then i guess in universe they call them what the imperial class i class and or imperial one class and imperial two class so yeah. there is some some uh, differences between between the two uh Star Destroyers, which is quite interesting. And you yeah. know, they knew we'd be doing this podcast. Well, right. <laughs> that, and you know why there were so many different types of them is because Apple bought them. And, yeah. and uh, you have to jobs. get a new one every year. <laughs> That's right. New one every year plus different sizes and, you know, right. tailor make it to the audience. Props again to uh, Joe Johnson. This is um, this was something he developed, I think, based on some doodles and sketches that George Lucas had provided him. Um, in fact, if you read that that comic that came out last year, was it that is based on George Lucas's very original treatment for Star Wars? I forgot what they called it, um, but it was basically the story that he originally wrote that eventually morphed into into the Star Wars films we know. But Star Destroyers were actually one man ships, wow, triangular oh wow. in de- in design, giant but they Doritos were just, in space. Yeah, but they were just one. <laughs> but they were one man one man ships, and in that comic. They show in the comic these started these little mini star destroyers with one person flying them, but that's what they were. And then by the time the film was created, they grew into these mile long capital ships. Wow! I could see. Actually, I seem to recall. I remember years back, I had actually a, a Hasbro toy, which was kind of um, it was um, it was kind of a prototype kind of, and it was again, it was kind of a star destroyer type ship, but it was like just a, this kind of one one pilot ship which uh remember just uh, they released it and it's just like i bought it and I was like, Where, what's this like it yeah. doesn't uh, really relate to to anything and never really that's when they were just starting to come out with uh, some of their uh kind of more eu type kind of um ships then and it was just like hmm it was really weird and it's kind of interesting to hear that story that that's probably where it was inspired from these original kind yeah. of thoughts yeah, it's a, I, I'm 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 it's killing me that I can't remember the comic because I actually bought a couple of them and read them. But um, yeah, yeah, I know so, what you're talking about, but it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah, but those are those are shown in there, and I'd read that as well in the making of Star Wars that 
there was that's where the idea came from. But uh, you can actually see them sort of realized visually in that comic book. Very cool. I didn't know that either. I'm learning so much. <laughs> so I guess uh, some. I guess I was reading a little bit about this, and the um, I guess the general thought is that a, a star destroyer is about a, up a kilometer long. I guess it's it's sixteen hundred meters. Yeah. yeah. So one one point six kilometers, which I is that a mile? I think that's a mile. That is a little bit over a mile. So oh, no, okay. excuse me, that's a little under. It's point nine. That's point well, is it point nine eight point nine nine miles. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I always call it a mile. Yeah. Effectively, yeah, it's a mile. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's so a long it, ship. Well, it's nothing compared to <laughs> compared to the going? Super Star Destroyer, which uh, yeah. complete the completely dwarfs it. But we'll get to that in a yeah. couple of minutes so, here. And I guess you know you can kind of see. I I kind of feel like these ships were a bit based on on a kind of cur current day navy ships, like the like Brian was saying. They had the kind of a conning tower, like an aircraft carrier would have, and. You know, in a way, it kind of looks a little bit like a boat. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Like say, like like you say, Joe, it really does have that kind of that battleship type kind of feel to it. That uh, you know, you got you know, kind of a big long ship, and then you got your bridge, which kind of uh, you know, you, like you say, you got the conning tower or whatever, which kind of. I got a problem with it there. though. I mean, come on, who puts the most important people and the bridge and everything right up on top to where the enemy can shoot it off? Star Trek. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. But Star Trek isn't supposed to be, they're not supposed to be military. This is a military ship. Hide the sucker down inside somewhere that like has a, has a, a button that they can eject it or something. I don't know. It's just, and not only, and not only that, but as we saw in, in Return of the Jedi, those, those two domes on, on either side of that tower. Yeah. Yeah. Are actually the well on in the movie they say the bridge deflector shields, but I know in, in the games at least they those are the deflector shield generators. Right, so sorry. if you blow those what? up, then the shields are down. Yeah. So and and actually the, the communications array is that little scaffolding thing in between those two things. <laughs> so yeah, not not only is the bridge the most vulnerable spot on the entire ship, the shield generators are sitting on top of it, <laughs> along with the communication <laughs> center. It's wonderful. Yeah, the, and the communications are right in the middle. <laughs> Yeah. What brilliant guy designed that? Huh? Uh, I guess uh, I don't know. Someone took a. <laughs> I, don't know, I just need to get that job done, eh? And uh, they only had so much budget. And uh, I guess so. That's funny. You know, like oh, we're near the end of our project here and our budget, so these are where these things go. <laughs> That's right. And so I guess the the history of the Star Destroyer. I don't know if we we want to get into it or not. At least from the the legends well, perspective, from, that's where the. For Imperial ships, it doesn't get better than a Star Destroyer, so we should probably spend some time. Yeah. No, so that's it. So, yeah, I mean, in 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 my readings, I know the there are older versions of Star Destroyers, which are called Victory-class Star Destroyers, and those were kind of the main the main ships in the Republic and, and whatever, but obviously that wasn't the case once we got to the, uh, the prequels, where they switched it up and had these Republic cruisers that did look sort of like primordial... Star Destroyers, they were still triangular. They seemed like they were much smaller. Yeah, they did seem. Uh, they did seem like a smaller, uh, smaller uh, ship. That's for sure, uh, Joe. Like uh, you know, even just from watching the prequels, it was just like, yeah, they just didn't seem. Um, they seemed like half the size, to be honest with you. If, well, you saw, I guess, at the end of uh, Attack of the Clones, you saw yeah. them kind of landing and like taking off from atmosphere, and there were uh, 
what's it called? Clone troopers like boarding them. So yeah, yeah. They, I, I would highly doubt that an Imperial class star destroyer could, uh, could land on a planet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even like, even, even showed like, um, what was it Revenge of the Sith when, uh, Obi-Wan was going off to, uh, he was going off, uh, it wasn't Revenge of the Sith or Attack of the Clones, but uh, maybe it was Attack of the Clones. It might've been Attack of the Clones actually, where he was going off. Oh, was it Revenge of the Sith? Oh, I, I remember the scene where him and Mace Windu are, <laughs> and I think Yoda are talking, and he gets onto the ship, and it just leaves from Corsican, and uh, it's like, hmm, it's not that big. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there are, you know, many, many, many throughout the, the rest of the EU. There's many, many different uh, versions or classes of Star Destroyers, from big to small to expensive to cheap to weird to... They're just, they're kind of like this, they, they are the mainstay of the Empire and, you know, they, they stay the mainstay for a, a very long time. And yeah. there's a reason for that because they're, I think, like where, you know, the Millennium Falcon and the X-Wing, like the Rebel, the iconic Rebel ships are are small, whereas to me, the this is like the iconic Imperial ship. Like if you show someone a picture of a Star Destroyer, they probably know what it is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the interesting thing too is, like you say, it's such a. It, again, it's it's that standard ship, which uh, and like say, if you read through the EU, like say it's it's prominent throughout it. And uh, like Joe, you with your uh, Star Wars stacks, you guys are going through uh, you're going through those uh, those Thrawn books right now, which uh, deal a lot with uh, a lot of the uh, the Star Destroyers and the Dreadnoughts and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah, they're definitely like, you know. One star destroyer just needs to show up, you know, in in your star system and and just run away because there's nothing you can do. Like unless yeah. unless you happen to have a fleet with you, like you could you can't take on one of these ships, and that's kind of the the interesting thing. And I know in those books, and you know, if you look in like uh, Return of the Jedi at the at the Battle of Endor, like how many star destroyers were there just sitting there? There must have been, you know, 30 or 40 of them, yeah. if, if not more. That was a big thing, eh? And then once, you know, like, say, once the, uh, at least in the, you know, the EU, I guess maybe once, uh, you know, I guess once we get to the movie and it's all wiped out or it's all wiped out right now, but uh, a lot of those books dealt with, you know, like when the Empire kind of all fragmented after that Battle of Endor, you know, you got all these kind of regional moths with their, you know, with their one or two Star Destroyers kind of uh, running roughshod over uh, over different uh, systems there because they had these ships. Well, that's it. Even with one or two of them, that was enough to, to to be a threat and to, you know, lord over a couple of planets and, you know, a little area of space. You didn't need, I don't know how many the Empire had at its height. I imagine hundreds of them. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely, they're big, they're imposing, and and they're iconic. So Yeah, in the, in the Legends series books, uh, they were like a dime a dozen. I mean, they, I mean, got, I mean, who was a Talon card guy had one as his personal, like, boat. I mean, it was just like they were everywhere. Yeah, or it was uh, there was a, it was another guy. It was uh, Booster oh. Tarek. I think that was that, it. Yeah, okay. he oh Booster Tarek, right? Yeah, he had captured one and he like painted it red or something crazy, and it was yeah. But yeah, I know they're 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 everywhere, and I guess that's just because well, hey, the Empire was huge, and there were a lot of them, and you know after the battle, I know the the rebels. I can't remember. I think the rebels captured two of them at the Battle of Endor, or at least that's what they said. That that I think took place. they might have yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was. Uh, yeah. They they were named. Yeah, it was in because it, it came at, back in Dark Empire later on. The, they right. renamed them the Emancipator and the Liberator, and then right. they both got and they both got destroyed. But you know, in the ensuing, <laughs> in the ensuing story. But uh, 
but it'll yeah. be interesting to see if if they make it 30 years into episode seven i i think that would be um from a, a narrative standpoint a good call i think it would be appropriate to see some sort of a retrofitted fitted star destroyer in someone's use because if they're you know ships are out there they're out there and mm-hmm. whether it's being used by by the by the remnants of the empire or if that's still existing or someone else i mean they were you know all the ships didn't get destroyed at the battle of endor that so i mean so it clearly they must still be around you would have to think so too like say because even after the battle of endor you know even you know like the republic or whatever if depending on you know how this thing goes out you know is you don't have a lot of money so you're gonna have to repurpose ships and if if those ships are around you, you know it's it's cheaper to actually you know refit those or than to actually go in and design and build new ships. So I, it wouldn't surprise me, like our discussion earlier, that you know, with the Tie Fighter, that that these ships uh, kind of crop up in in these new movies. Yep. That would be cool. Guess we'll go on to the um, big mamma jamma called the uh, <laughs> the Super Star Destroyer. The most the most miss pronounced name of any ship in the star wars universe so you can say it brian because i will mess it up (laughs) well for years i mean i assume it was executor that's what i I always thought too i assume that this was the executor because my my wonder bread trading card said it was and my tops my tops trading card said it was and my my little book and i'm reading that word and i'm thinking executor yeah if yeah. darth vader is gonna have a star destroyer it's gonna be called the, the executor. executor and instead it's the executor, executor. and i'm yeah. like you... i'm like it's some guy in a tie <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> i'm like wait what i'm here I, to execute your will <laughs> and, yet, and yet that is literally what it's supposed how it's supposed to be pronounced and i think mm-hmm. i can't i'm like why and apparently okay i'll go back to my my rinsler books so in the making of empire strikes back rinsler said that george felt that the name executor was a little rough he thought the connotation was too much and so it became executor and i shoot han shooting first and execute that's that the way noise. it should have been that's the way it should have been because i mean if you yeah. look at this thing you look at the picture of it and it just looks like a, a either a dagger or an arrowhead or like it looks like a weapon it's totally badass yeah so i, I it's just a, it's, it's a strange decision but that's what they say um and the other the other huge controversy about this ship besides its name is how long is it because in the film because of limitations of special effects and matte paintings and matte shots and superimposing the the models of the of the star destroyers with that ship, it can be it can look anywhere from ten times as long as a as a regular star destroyer to twenty times as long as a star destroyer. It's it, none of it makes there's no sense. There's a shot in Empire Strikes Back of a star destroyer beneath the engines of the Executor and it's tiny and the Executor is huge and yet. When you look at the, you know, other shots, it's not nearly as big. I always assume that the conning tower on the executor is the same size as the conning tower on a regular star destroyer, and then scale it up, and it so it comes out. It always came to for me. It always came out to about ten miles. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Or I, like, I, re- I remember as, reading. Yeah. Well, there's a whole whack of them there. I think there's a list of about a hundred, <laughs> not a hundred, but like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's ten different lengths on yeah. this page I, as far as... No, no one ever agreed on it it's just like everyone is always like well it's supposed to be this big or that big but it's actually yeah. I'll, I'll post this in the show notes but uh there's actually on the uh, star wars uh star wars site they actually have a uh 
Pablo Hidalgo actually wrote an article regarding uh, executor uh, measurements. So yeah. if a person's uh, so inclined to uh, read through it, uh, uh, and maybe they can uh, maybe help uh, justify kind of their thoughts on it. Um, like I say, I guess based off of Wikipedia, they're they're calling it 19,000 uh, 19, feet, I believe, or meters, 19,000 meters, yeah. Wow, 20 kilometers long. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, so twenty. All right. So twenty twenty k is um, twelve and a half miles. So twelve. Yeah, twelve and a half miles. So twelve starters. Twelve imperial star destroyers lined 12 up. Twelve star destroyers. Yeah, yeah. The guy was saying, I th- I I thought it looked like ten. I I could I could roll with twelve though. That makes sense too. Yeah. So it's uh, it's big. It's massive. Uh, it's slow though. It's only forty uh, megalites. But eh, and apparently it's incredibly easy to take out. Yeah, because you just got to blow up those two little balls on top one, and then smash an A wing out of control. One A wing out of control, and you're 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 flying into the Death Star. Right? Yeah, and then it just dips and right into the Death Star, <laughs> eh? Yeah, what, what talk about? Actually, probably the single worst special effect in Return of the Jedi is that shot. Yeah, it, there's like it, a, it looks, a, the, you can tell there's like a little like flame cannon under it that goes. Yeah, yeah, it's awful, and the Death Star is shown to be so big that it doesn't even curve. I mean, it's like it's like the, the Star Destroyer is crashing into a flat horizon, which doesn't make any sense. It's it's if it's 12 miles long, the Death Star is going to be curving away. I mean, everything about the shot is yeah. bad. Yeah, because yeah, like the Death Star is a huge uh, space station, but like say when it crashes into it, it just you know this this. The ship looks like it's just puny. So yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do we got here about this? Um, I, I, mean, I love the blue. The, I love the fact that they lit it, and because the model model had a bluish tint, but they they really blued it up to really make mm-hmm. it stand out. And I think it, it's very very cool looking. Yes, I I agree. Yeah, and I guess for all Star Destroyers, obviously we didn't really talk much about weapons. They have all kinds of, uh, you know, turbo lasers and ion cannons and missile launchers and tractor beam projectors. And I can't remember. I think a regular Star Destroyer carries something like, is it three squadrons of ties or something like that? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's... Uh... Or two of fighters, one of interceptors and one of bombers. Well, a regular one carries, uh, is it 72 TIE fighters? Okay. And then... Um... According to Wikipedia, and this one here, what was it? It was, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, 144, so double the amount of TIE fighters. And you got to imagine, what's the crew complement on one of these things? Like, when one of these goes, a whole lot of people die. Well, yeah. Support crew, they say, is uh, a crew of 279,000 people. Jeez. 1,500 gunners. That's Minimum crew is fifty thousand, so that's, can... that's just to keep the lights on. Yeah, holy smokes, that's uh, that's a big ship, and that's a lot of people uh, uh, serving the empire there. Wow, that's a that's a lot of people. Yeah, throw some clones in there. Yeah, like Rick says, throw some clones and some <laughs> good astromech droids to take care of. Uh, <laughs> Take and a lot of, of those little little mouse droids to to sweep the floor and and whatever it is they do. Whatever it is they do, I was just gonna say, yeah. The little ones that that roll around on the floor all the time. <laughs> all right. So what's our next one? We will. I guess we're going out of. Uh, I think we've talked about star destroyers. Does anyone else have anything left to uh, to uh, add to uh, star destroyers here? And just so you know, we have about five minutes left. So. 
Okay. Hit the gas, Jeff. Hit the gas. We're going to the Imperial Shuttle. All right. So that's our next uh, our next discussion here is the... Uh, I love this one so much. Yeah, I love this sh- shuttle too. The, the Imperial Shuttle, they call it the uh, Lam- Lambda Class Shuttle, uh, which is the... Uh, what we know of uh, often, actually, for the longest time, I re- referred to it as the Tidarium shuttle because that's kind of what they called the models and the toy and all that kind of stuff was always the Tidarium shuttle because that was the one that uh, that they got from the they yeah that's off, the yeah. one that they they you know many Bothans died or whatever I don't know but right. uh, they they got that shuttle and they flew casual and got got to end it. <laughs> <laughs> So I love this ship too. Actually, I really like this ship. It's I like the whole concept that the wings kind of fold down and uh, it's such an elegant looking type kind of ship. Yeah. Uh, like say it, it, I know first time I saw it really caught my eye. I go, wow, that's a, just a really kind of really nice kind of elegant looking type ship. And they can be, uh, they can be actually quite heavily armed. I think they can have something to the effect of four forward facing cannons and two rear facing cannons and, are they fast? Let me see. I'm trying to look at the specs on them. They're, they're, not, they're not super fast. They're slower than a Thai bomber by a little. They're 50 megalites. Yeah. But they're a shuttle, of course. I mean, it's yeah, like, I mean, they're not. You don't, you don't take one out to go shoot at, uh, at Rebels. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to be, you're going to need some, uh, you need some armaments on it to even, you know, if you're the Empire, you know, everyone's going to be wanting to take shots at you. All those are still pesky Rebels. So you're going to need something to, to defend you defend yourself with they usually they usually get escorted with uh with uh tie fighters or a squadron of tie fighters but uh, still you gotta protect yourself so uh sure and we know the cockpit is small because chewy didn't fit in it yeah so they didn't have wookies in mind when no. they designed her That's no, right. no. <laughs> what were they thinking <laughs> that's funny but yeah no these are these are cool cool ships and yeah we see i guess we see do they appear i guess they only appear in empire and jedi we don't see them in the first movie, do we? Yeah. No. no. Yeah, I thought we did. Uh, not in. Oh no, you know, you know what we see we, in the special edition, Rick. Yeah. There is a ship that lifts off from. Yeah. Moss Eisley. And that so, wasn't in the original. That was not in the original uh, film. That okay. was added in, and it, it, it was a imperial. It was an imperial shuttle that, in fact, that's what they also. I think the troopers used to land to search for the droids. So oh, yeah, there okay. was. You see a ship that's similar, but that was not initially in the not the, uh, one. In okay. the, the film. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was I it in the or- original Empire Strikes Back, or did, were those yes. scenes just added in after? No, no, it was. It was. Let's see. It was in. Um, Empire. Oh wait a minute! No, it wasn't. An, no, it wasn't an Empire. Was it? No, it was yeah, not. Because I think they yeah. added those scenes of Vader kind of leaving the ship. And yeah, uh, if they added the line, um, "Prepare my shuttle and return yeah. to my ship" or That's whatever, right. that That's was right. actually added dialogue to the special editions, and then they added that that special effect of showing the shuttle. So yeah, that's right. I, when one of you just said it was um, in both movies, I was like, I don't, I, I couldn't remember if it was, but no, it was only initially in in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And they, but they used the hell out of it in, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it got it got a lot of time in that. Yeah. Right on the platform, and yeah. And I love, uh, yeah, and I and I love that effect. You know that it was always when the the, the ramp would come down and whatever yeah. that gas stuff would come. You know. Yeah. You never wanted to open because there's always someone who was upset walking out of it. Yeah, that's right. Or the emperor. It's and like, they... uh oh, dad's yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. I, was gonna say, I know, like in in kind of 
Legends time and X-Wing and all that stuff. They were used as kind of like cargo ships and just regular. And I guess you saw with the Tidarium, right? They were just delivering cargo. But when we really saw them in the movie, they were always kind of like these private jet type things, right? It was always carrying someone right. important, not very many people on it. And so, yeah, when it when it showed up, it was never uh, it was never a good sign because I meant someone important was showing up. Well, my very favorite part of that whole ship was the fact that the wings moved like that, especially when it came to land. It was just uh, I don't know. I like that about the Klingon ship too. You know the uh, the bird of prey that can it can move oh, its wings and stuff. Change too. its uh, change its wings depending yeah. on uh, what it's like to do. Yeah, I've always liked the ship. Even Voyager can do that. I think. Um, yeah. In Star Trek, but I just love it when a ship the the wings can move up and down and and they have a, a reason for it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and yeah. it created this really cool like kind of tri wing. Yeah, configuration looks, that that looked really nice. Yeah, it did very much. Yeah, so. you could definitely see like in the uh, the prequel trilogy, they did have uh, some shuttle class type ships, which were very uh, reminiscent of this. Uh, their wings were always a bit more stubby, though, so just not as elegant as uh, as this ship. Not as mm-hmm. elegant as the later years. I wonder what mm. we're going to get in the next movie. It should be pretty cool. Well, yeah, I shuttles so. are awesome. I like shuttles. I like shuttles in all the different genres of of uh, space shows and stuff like that, from Star Trek to Star Wars to Battlestar Galactica. Shuttles are cool. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, like, they do. They're like the uh, uh, public transport buses of our time. Yeah, they are. They're always just yeah, just yeah. Because even those Battlestar Galactica ones on from the original series, they were uh, just load the people up and. Uh, yeah, move them on out. <laughs> yeah, pack so, them in and let's go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. do we have any other ships, or is that everything? That's it. That is unless uh, unless we got anything else to discuss. I didn't know if we wanted to discuss. I didn't really do any research on the uh, ground-based vehicles. I thought we'd just stick to the uh, spacefaring uh, starship type kind sure. of. Uh, there's, we might be able to do another show on the ground-based ones because there's some pretty cool ones. Mm-hmm. There are, and there's some pretty obscure ones, including yeah. um, that Kenner toy that was made, the Imperial Troop Transport that appeared, I think, in the dro- one of the, dro- not the droids, some, it appeared somewhere, and Kenner made a toy of it, and it's like one of one of the one of the more rare collectibles that you can find out there. That's oh, the cool. uh, what the Sans gift? Yeah, that no, the Imperial is called the Imperial Troop Transport. It was like a um, like a boxy thing where you could put your action figures yeah, into yeah. it. Um, and yeah, they go, they go for de- real big money on eBay, a couple grand, I think. Well, wow. I'm exaggerating, but yeah, no, they're pretty, they're pretty valuable. Oh, speaking of collecting on eBay, not to digress. Did you guys <laughs> see that? Did you guys see that a, a carded prototype figure from, um, droids, yes. droids sold for like $50,000? Really? Wow. Yeah, I saw that. I've been following that a little bit and it's yeah. kind of crazy. What do you they mean? think what I is, might what, possibly what, be a What do you show- mean by carded? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah. it was a it was a salesman sample of a prototype. It was so it, it was a figure that was actually on a card with a blister pack over oh, it. So okay. it, it, like it would appear in the store. There, Gus Lopez apparently chimed in and said he had one. Yeah. This may be the only other one in existence. Wow. And it sold for fifty thousand dollars on eBay. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. awesome. What I was reading is. Yeah. Um, they think that possibly it may have been a a shill bid, possibly that the guy is trying to um, trying to increase the the value on it. Really? Oh, that's yeah. Because yeah. if you go and you read in the Rebel Scum forums, they've actually that's what I was looking. Yeah, that's where I saw it. 
Yeah, they were actually going through and they were talking about how the, all of these different bidders and how they think it might be a shill bid possibly, uh, but okay. uh, yeah. no one, I guess, I'm not sure if it's been uh, uh, determined uh, definitively, but when I saw that, I was just like, holy smokes. That's eBay, like eBay does not take kindly to that. You can't, you oh, can't no. mess around like that. Mm -hmm. If they find out, they'll, they'll throw you off. Politics I guess that's a real problem with, um, with eBay lately is a lot of people are doing this, this kind of... Um, Fake bidding, bidding. Yeah, yeah. fake bidding to kind of uh, boost the kind of the market mm -hmm. on some of this stuff, and then they'll go back after and they'll say, you know, so buy and deliver here, but he was paying, you know, t you know, two hundred bucks, and here's my, here it's relisted for one fifty. Buy it now, yeah, or wow. something, yeah. Right. And yeah. he goes, oh, what a deal! Right, exactly. They create yeah. false false demand for shitty products. Yeah, so I think with with this, it's almost like. You know, the guy's almost kind of trying to muddy the water regarding the price. So, you know, because it, it probably, you know, it's not worth 50000 but now you don't really know what it's worth possibly. If, who knows? But then again, maybe maybe it was legitimately bought. We don't know, I guess. But $50,000 seems for seems like, like a, a lot of money. Because I actually went back and I watched that droid's cartoon after because I go, oh, I don't really remember that uh, that guy. So I actually went and watched it and was just like a pretty forgettable character. <laughs> well, I, I can, I can tell you that I once had a original 12, 12 back on card figures that I found and discovered and bought from a guy that included a vinyl Cape Jawa and included a double telescoping saber Obi-Wan Kenobi figure, which was one of four, on card that were known in existence. Wow. This is back in 2005 or four. What happened? And I sold I sold them to a private collector at the time for thirteen thousand dollars. So it wow. does it huh. does it does happen. But that Kenobi figure was I mean if that Kenobi figure was 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 at least seven thousand of that. So yeah. Yeah. you got to wow. figure. I mean, for a figure that and he he was one of maybe two or three that I. I knew that were on card that were, had been verified, but I think the thing with this is it was a salesman sample, and so it was it it may have commanded more. But I I agree I agree Jeff I think that price seemed a little too much. Yeah, considering it wasn't a um, yeah, it's not like an iconic character. It's really just yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, just it's a, from droids. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a weird figure from droids. I don't know those pictures too. It looked like there was something seriously some serious problem happening with that figure too. It looked like. I'm not sure if it was just a bubble is is kind of uh, fogged or whatever, but right. someone I read some comment or someone thought it looked like it was pitting or something like that. That is actually something with that bigger actually within that bubble is actually kind of degrading possibly. You know uh, what? Causing, this, causing the bubble to fade. Uh, it's just a, if you go and you look at the picture on uh, Rebel Scum, it's just like oh man, I, I don't like. I think I'd want a few more pictures of that that make sure that that figure wasn't like kind of disintegrating or something like that. Hey, you know, you know what we should do, guys? Now that we've sort of gone through the ships, we should do a collecting cast. We should do a cast on Star Wars collecting over the years and stuff that we've had and stuff, stuff like the story. I can tell you more about that story about the figures that I found that you know a complete set of the original figures on cards. Oh my gosh! You know, I mean, it'd be, it'd be fun to to hear about our 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 collecting experiences and stuff that we've discovered over the yeah, years. Yeah, well, we should do that one. Well, we should find one so. of those. Yeah, I think Rico would probably want in on that one too. He's oh yeah, yeah. I, would, yeah. I would imagine he would be here on the call. <laughs> and God knows a lot, a lot, of, a lot of Treks and sci-fi listeners have have interesting I, collections. So I, I, I was actually I knew Rico back then on the replica prop forum. I, I don't know if he saw my thread because I actually started a thread back in 2004 trying to figure out 
exactly what I had when I when I had these figures. I knew that I knew that they had value, and I knew the vinyl cape jaw was valuable. But I was looking for help people to help me determine some values, and I was directed to the guys that do the AFA grading and everything. And that was the guy who eventually found who I sent them to, all twelve of them on card, and then. And I that I thought I had a double telescoping saber, and he was able to verify, grade them, and then I asked him. I was like, I, I'm going to go to eBay with this, or you can find me a buyer right now, and if the number looks right to me, you know, I'll take it. And that's what he ended up doing. So, wow. but Rico, Rico, I think Rico. I don't know if he remembers that, but he was definitely around at that time, and he and I were on were friends online. I think that would oh. be a fascinating show. I'd love to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's save it for that show. That's Good. Good. Yeah, there should be. That was a teaser, everyone, for, oh, for, I love for, it. for the collecting cast. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us once again. We hope you enjoyed this podcast where we get to geek out, talk about the ships that we love. And yeah, uh, yeah you don't get to do that very often, especially uh, nowadays. So it's kind of fun to talk about them. So thanks, guys, for being part of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rico, for letting us take the opportunity to uh, steal the show for an hour and change and talk about stuff that we love. And uh, it's so much fun to talk to to you guys about it. And uh, I can't wait to do something else and we'll come up with some new ideas and uh, we'll keep at it for sure. So thank you very much, guys. Very cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was a great time. Yeah. Tons and tons and tons of fun. Cool. All right, guys. Have a good good evening or morning or where, wherever this is when people are listening. Thanks, everybody, for joining <laughs> us for Treks in Sci-Fi. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. For more information, contact Rico Dusty. TrekSM at gmail.com. And don't forget to listen each week for a new exciting episode of Treks in Science.